Welcome to this part of the service. So good to have everyone here. Uh, it's good to, good to see the house well filled. I remember one time several years ago, Henry mentioned that the more people that are here, the more he enjoys preaching. And I thought, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> but praise the Lord, I'm, I'm glad to see you all here. Um, so this morning I would like to, to continue uh, with the series of messages that I want to do on running with endurance. Particularly this morning I want to speak about finding our race. And if you remember, I had, uh, my last message, I had spoken about... Um, well, let's just turn to the scripture. Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 3. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. And I shared about, last time, about as we run this race, to, to run it with endurance, and as we do that, to look towards Jesus as the motivation, uh, to look towards Jesus for the example of how that we run a race with, with endurance. And so, this morning I would like to continue that, and I, I was... Blessed as I as I sat here and, and listened to each of you share, Judy, I want to thank you especially for sharing what you did. Um, the easy thing for you to do would have been to not say anything. However, you listened to the prompting of the Spirit and shared, and I know it was a blessing to many of us. And that is, in essence, some of what I want to talk about this morning is how do we know what is God's will for our lives? How do we hear from Him? How do we, how do we listen to Him? The phrase in the scripture, the passage this morning is the race that is set before us. So God has a, we, we often speak about a, a plan for our lives, or we say, well, God, we want to know what is God's will for our life. How do we follow that? And so, this morning I would like to especially speak to you young people. Um, because I know in my life, even still, I'm, I'm still young. Um, we like to know, we want to figure out where, where do we go from here? What, what does God want for me in my life. <clears throat> we struggle with some of those 
uh, questions about, you know, should I take this job or should I go to Bible school this year or wait another year or who do I marry or where do I live and should I go to church here or should I not? And we, we want, we would like to hear from God and have Him speak into our lives and give us some direction and yet if you're like me, Sometimes you wonder where God is and, and how do we hear from him and, and how, how do I know that um, this choice is the right choice? You know, sometimes, sometimes we're faced with, there's so many choices in life where we, we want to do what God wants us to do and yet this choice, there's, there's not really a right or wrong. There's just, we need to make a decision and we want to make the right decision, but it seems sometimes it's so vague of what is, you know, this, this way could be right or this way could be right. So I'd like to look at some, some principles in Scripture that I have found to be helpful in my life. Um... For those of you who are into running, you remember we're talking about a race. Last time I talked about Cliff Young. Remember Cliff Young? He, he ran the ultramarathon in Australia that is 500 some miles long. He ran it, he ran five days straight. If you're into running, you probably know that the Boston Marathon is coming up here soon. It's always held on the third Monday of April. And the Boston Marathon is one of the, it is the oldest consecutively ran marathon in the world. It started in uh, 1897 from inspiration of, from the 1896 Olympics. They, there was enough interest that they started this marathon. It starts in Hopkins, Massachusetts, runs 26 miles into downtown Boston towards the finish line. And there's, along the way, there's two memorable landmarks that have kind of become ingrained in the rich tradition of this marathon. The first one is the all-girls Wellesley College, located about the halfway point. And here at the college, the student body always comes out, and they line both sides of the street, and they, they cheer the, the runners on. They... They, uh, their enthusiastic cheers give the runners a much-needed emotional lift. The second one is called Heartbreak Hill. And so as you leave uh, the college, there are a series of about five hills. And they are, there's no downhill stretch. You, you run uphill and it kind of plateaus, and then you run uphill some more and it plateaus, and you do that five consecutive times over the next eight miles. And the last hill is called Heartbreak Hill. It's at mile 21, and it is the steepest climb in the race. And the hill, the, the climb, is not the worst part. The worst part is it comes at mile 21. You've already ran 21 miles, and it's a major gut check. It's a 
reality check about whether you actually will run the complete 26 miles. And it's a, it's a, not only a heartbreaker, it's a lung breaker and a backbreaker as well. And so as the runners, if they make the hill, as they continue their run, they anxiously, they scan, the, at that point, they start scanning the horizon to see the big red sitcom sign that is perched high above the horizon of, of Boston. Because they know when they reach it, they only have one more mile to go. And so they run down into Boston from, that, from after Heartbreak Hill. It's pretty much all downhill. And so they make a sharp right and a turn left. And then before them lies the most strenuous straightway in all sports, 600 agonizing strides down a steel and glass corridor framed by the tall buildings and packed bleachers toward the finish line of the Boston Marathon. The flashing lights on the motorcycle escort signals the advancing runners as they stride for the finish line. The crowd in the bleachers, there's almost... 100,000 people in the bleachers as they rise to their feet and they respond with the deafening roar of approval as the runners run by. The runners can feel the exuberant energy of the cheering people as they surge their numb bodies towards the finish line. Every runner here is a hero. If you run and finish the race, you are an undisputed champion. And so with the close of the Boston Marathon, another page of history is recorded. These gallant runners have run the race, they've met the challenge, and they've finished the course. Well, if you're a runner, in the world of competitive marathons, at some point you need to go run at the Boston Marathon. You cannot be a world-class runner, and just stay home with the local folk. Because you will never achieve, you will never be known as a competitive runner unless you go run in such races as the Boston Marathon or there's, there's others like it. Well, unfortunately, many Christians view the Christian life as running a marathon. We have this, this idea that we need to go somewhere or do something in order to be known on, on the world stage, if you will. And so we try to figure out, well, what does God want for me in my life? Where do I, which, which marathon do I need to go run at so that I am competitive on a world level? The truth is that running God's race might include going somewhere or doing something big. However, God's race for us is happening today, right here, right now, and we don't need to go to Boston in order to find God's race that he has planned for us. <coughs> We can know and do his will today. There is no such thing as, as just a layman or just a carpenter or just a, a baker or whatever, wherever you might find yourself. 
There is no just attached in front of it. I'd like to look again at Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. We looked at these verses last time. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. We saw last time that there are two ways, and that the race, God's race, there are few who find that. I'd like to continue on there in Matthew 7, verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. And so, from this passage, we learn that there are those who claim to be running God's race, but they are false prophets. Inwardly, they are ravenous wolves. And so we read on down, we see in verse 21 that, that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will, he who does the will of my Father. And so we want to know. These are passages that we, as people going to, growing up in a, in a Christian setting, we, we know these passages. And so we want to know what is God's will? <clears throat> well, we can't have a discussion about God's will without talking about our own will as well. Because you see, God has created us in his image, and so we have the ability to think and to um, make choices and, and, and do our own thing. And so the conflict that we really are looking at this morning is how do we line up my will with God's will? And sometimes we have this false idea that God's will is a preordained or a pre-planned track that goes you know, it goes this way and then this way and then that way and, and we want to know what it looks like and it's often contrary to what we want. And so there's this struggle going on to, you know, we want to know God's will and yet we, we struggle with how do I make, you know, where does my choices come in and, and we don't want to give up our ideas and, and ways and I have found in my life that, for the most part, we have confused God's will or God's plan for our lives with his foreknowledge. And so, while we need to submit our wills to his will, just because God knows what we will choose to do does not mean that we do not have a choice in the matter. So, 
What we often end up doing as we try to discern God's will is we are attempting to figure out what God wants, what, what God knows. We're attempting to figure out what God knows about the future rather than being contented in doing what we know to do today. And so, we, 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 in some ways, we try to run ahead of ourselves and we, we like to try to understand what will happen tomorrow. However, Jesus told us that, that we, we don't need to do that, that tomorrow, uh, we don't need to worry about tomorrow. Maybe an example of that a little bit is, uh, as most of you know, uh, we have listed our, our, we're trying to sell our house, and we're looking at maybe buying something else. One of the uh, principles, I guess, that we're using is that I, we, we don't want to overextend our financial capability. So I'm, we're, we're not buying another house until our house sells. Well, initially when we started, we, we, we found another house that we thought we would like to buy. And we submitted an offer and back and forth and they accepted the offer contingent on our house selling. Um, that was six months ago and that house has since sold. And we have somewhat repeated that process again, and that house has sold. And so we have concluded that we will, first of all, we will sell our house, and if that happens, then we will worry about buying another house. And in that process, a part of the struggle was that we were not contented to trust that God would provide another house in case ours would sell. We wanted to make sure that we had a plan in place in case our house would sell. So that's where we're at now. Um, we're still not sure how this is all going to work out, but we will trust that God can take care of it. I'd like to look now at a few principles that I have found to be helpful in my life uh, as I try to wait on God, as I try to trust in Him. The first one is simply walk with God. If you're going to know His way for your life, you need to pursue a relationship with Him. It's impossible for me to to know what my wife is thinking about something if I don't spend time with her. Before we met, before I knew her, I had no idea about her likes and her dislikes. But as we began to know each other and we spent time together, I learned that you know, there are things that she likes to do this way or that way. And so it's the same way with God. If we're going to have a relationship, if we're going to know His will know his way what he we need to have a we need to spend time in his word we need to spend time praying and meditating just simply allowing him to speak to us allowing his word to to allowing our mind to process his word 
We need to seek to know Him, to really know Him, not just know about Him. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. God will show us what He wants us to do if we acknowledge Him. The second thing is, we are His workmanship. God has created us, God has made us, and not only that, but God has redeemed us, He has bought us back from the powers of darkness where we were once held as slaves. Notice what Paul says in in Romans 6, verse 16, Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that whose you are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death, or of obedience leading to righteousness. So, if you were a slave in 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 the if you were taken as a captive, and if I bought your freedom, you were now legally mine. You were. You, you just transferred uh, ownership. And, and that's exactly where we're at today. Jesus has paid our ransom and has bought us back from Satan. So we owe, we owe our very lives, our very existence to him. Another verse, Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God is designed, God's plan is, God's intentions is, that we live a life that, that brings Him honor. <coughs> Galatians 5, verses, verse 13, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty, only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So we have been freed from the bonds of Satan, but not for our own, not to use that to our own selfish ways. That is, we have, we have been free. We are a slave to righteousness, Romans 6 there, in order to serve one another through love. Thirdly, recognize his authority. God has put authority, a structure of authority in every one of our lives that we need to recognize if we are going to understand or discern His, his will for our lives. Um, as a congregation, we're, we're asked to submit to each other. Um, and I want to look at uh, Ephesians just a simple, uh, easy-to-understand passage here. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as a church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle 
<clears throat> or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So what we see in this passage is a, a structure of, of how life should work. And there's, there's a lot more here than I'm going to talk about this morning, but just to show that there are ways that God intends for us to work. Continue on in Ephesians chapter 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the, in the training and admonition of the Lord. So again, James just preached on this passage a few weeks ago, but again, a structure of authority that God has put in place. And if we find ourselves trying to discern what, which direction we're going to go, and we are outside of these bounds of these, these parameters we can be, there's a sure sign that we are probably choosing our own way and not following after God. <clears throat> Fourth thing, obey what you already know. In some ways, we spend 90% of our time trying to figure out the 10% of God that we don't know. If we would obey the 90% that we do know, we would have a good direction or a good start on what he wants for us in our lives. You know, there's, there's a few things that are black and white. Galatians 5. <clears throat> now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So, this is, these are things that we don't need to ask ourselves, well, God, show me what, show me the direction here. He goes on, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. These are the things where we need to focus our attention on. These are the things that if we are busy doing these, we have no time for the first list that we looked at. <clears throat> so, if we're trying to Again, find God's direction for our lives. Um, we, can, we can look at these and we can, we can get some direction of where we're at. Fifthly, listen to the Holy Spirit. This happens several ways. First of all, we need to be in tune with His Spirit. We need to be in His Word. We need to be in prayer. We need to be uh, meditating, and um, I, I think we heard that this morning from Judy. Um, that is, the Spirit prompted her to share her testimony. <clears throat> Example of that in Scripture, Acts 16, verses 7 and 10. 
After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go to Bethania, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and a, man, and a man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, it doesn't tell us how the Spirit spoke to Paul. I, it might have been an audible voice, but maybe there was just something that um, didn't, maybe something didn't quite line up in the travel plans, or maybe just he just felt that he had this, his spirit in connection with the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Um, sixth thing is seek godly input. If, if you're making a decision about a bigger thing in life, um, seek, seek out somebody that knows something about the situation. I remember, uh, well, as, as some of you know, uh, Daryl is going to Team Mission International and this was a pretty big step for Charlene and I and, and probably bigger than for him. And so one of the first things I did is I, I, I talked to Jonathan a while and I asked him, I knew his boys had been there and, and uh, so he, I, he gave me some counsel and I also uh, talked to Wes. Wes um, quizzed him out real good about his experience there and, and I just wanted to hear from some people you know, that knew something about it. And so... Um, yeah, there's just uh, any time that we are trying to make a decision, you know, seek counsel from the authority figures in your life or just from a brother or sister in the church um, or, again, someone familiar with the situation, someone that knows something about what you're wanting to do. Proverbs 11, verse 14 says, Where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Seek some direction. <clears throat> Seventh thing is, what is your spiritual gift? Um, not going to spend a lot of time on this, but all of us have a spiritual gift. Peter says, as each one of you has received a gift... Minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And, um, you know, just simply, are you, do you enjoy what you're doing or what you're looking at doing? Are you good at it? Are you competent at it? Um, and and there's, there's a lot of other things that we can talk about with the gifts, but, you know, those are a few things to to look at as we consider whether we should or should not um, make a decision. <clears throat> I, uh, I've asked Leighton if I could share this. I, I was intrigued, I guess, with his testimony of how he had, had been asked to teach at Hillcrest, and he had followed some of these 
um, steps that we talked about. I know he talked to his parents and some other people, and, and he was seeking God and, and uh, was in prayer about it. And he decided that the next step he should do is he should spend the day at the school. Um, and while he was there, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Layden, but there was just something that didn't quite fit. And he just sensed that maybe he should not take the position. And so um, I want to bless you in that, Layden. Um, that, you know, there's, if we're not, uh, I want to be careful in that because we, we might be, we might be, running from God's call, and we might be seeking our own way in doing something we enjoy. However, if, if you have, if, if God has called you to do something that, that your spiritual gift can fulfill, you are, you are not going to find it boring, or you're not going to find it something that you have to do, you're going to find something that you feel fulfilled in doing. You are blessed in doing it. There's going to be times when there's hard work involved, there's sweat involved, there's tears involved, and it's difficult. But you, there's a, a connection with the Spirit in, in utilizing that gift that God has given each one of you. <clears throat> the last thing I have is simply... What are your circumstances? Uh, sometimes, you know, God will simply close a door or open a door, and it is obvious. Um, Leighton, I'm going to pick on you again. I didn't ask you about this, but, you know, probably wouldn't be wise for Leighton to go try out for NFL. Just don't think that would be wise. Um, and there's other things in life like that that um, that are are clear that you know um, one thing maybe another little story about our house buying experience is you know when that first house sold well guess what it was pretty obvious that wasn't the house for us and. You know, it didn't do us a lot of good to, to uh, keep on asking God for that house. He had, he had shown us. Um, <clears throat> In closing, I trust that I have shared something that has been of value to you. I'd like to look at one more scripture. And that is Colossians 3, chapters, chapter 3, verses 17 and 24. I feel we find some, some good direction here. Whatever you do, do in word or deed. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Whatever we do, give, give God the glory. Give, do it as it, do it as as unto Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. 
Wives, submit to your own husbands as fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. Not with eye service as men-pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. So wherever we find ourselves, do it unto the Lord, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. We do this because, what? Because of the reward. Because when we are done here, there will be a reward. I have found this outline or this skeleton of knowing, of seeking God's will to be helpful in my life. I trust that you can find it helpful in your life. I found that when we are faced with a decision, we really have only two choices to make, and that is, do we honor God or do we not honor God? If we honor God, I think we can trust that He will open the right doors, show us the way, and we can have confidence that we are running the race the way that He wants us to run the race. I'm going to close with prayer, and then, uh, Laverne, would you want to close? Jesus, you have been here with us. Father, we are grateful. Lord, we pray that we could... uh, Lord, I pray that we could go here and that we could do whatever we do as unto you. Just pray that you would bless each one as we leave, that you would speak to our hearts, and that we could uh, seek to know you, Lord, seek to hear from your Spirit, that those around us might know that we have been with you. Just pray in Jesus' name, amen.